Christian Church family. It is great to see all of you here today as we begin our slow descent through the final section of chapter 2 this morning in the epistle of 1 John, as our text today is 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 21, where John offers his readers a warning about Antichrist. And yes, you heard that right. Today we will be looking at John's warning to his readers concerning Antichrist. And you might be sitting there thinking, boy, that seems like a random topic for John to broach here. However, a warning about Antichrist actually makes a lot of sense when you consider the context and the Apostle John's current flow of thought. Because if you remember back to two weeks ago, when Ricardo preached, John's tone, it kind of changed. As he spent verses 12 through 14 really encouraging his readers. Encouraging them in the foundational truths of the Christian faith. That their sins are forgiven, that they have overcome the evil one, and that they know the Father, the one who is eternal and who is from the beginning. But then last week in verses 15 through 17, John transitioned from encourager back to more of an exhorter or admonisher as he charged his readers to not love the world because the world or the evil, sinful, wicked desires of the world that stand in opposition to the ways of God, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, they are all passing away. But... You know what isn't passing away with the world and the evil desires of the world? You, Christian, or as verse 17 says it, the one who does the will of God. Because the one who believes in the Son, Jesus Christ, who rejects the ways of the world and who stands firm in the will of God, those people, oh, they will abide forever in the Lord Jesus Christ. For that is the truth that the Christian has had from the very beginning. And this truth, it has not changed, it does not change and it will not change for it is the same yesterday today and forever believe in the son of god jesus christ and you will be saved amen amen and yet was john what john was dealing with during the latter part of the first century it is also similar to what we see today as there were individuals who claimed to be christians individuals who claimed to be part of the church but who in reality rejected the truth about Jesus Christ by downplaying or discrediting his nature and his work and his accomplishment and then tried to peddle or pawn these lies about Jesus Christ to his church. So John is quick to warn his readers about these deceptive and evil individuals. And thus we too, brother Christian, sister Christian, must be quick to heed his warning as well because there are still many antichrists among us today. Which takes us to our thesis statement this morning, or the main points of our sermon this morning, which is this. Christian, do not be deceived by antichrist. Instead, keep yourself in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth that you have heard from the very beginning, and the truth that will never, ever, ever change, no matter what anyone says. Again, our thesis statement this morning is this. Christian, do not be deceived by Antichrist. Instead, keep yourself in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The truth that you have heard from the very beginning and the truth that will never, ever, ever change, no matter what anyone says. And our text this morning is 1 John 
chapter 2, verses 18 through 21, where the Apostle John, he writes, Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather this morning and to worship you. Father, we have a mediator now, and his name is Jesus Christ, one who is truly God, who is truly man. And his sacrifice on the cross is the only means for us to be reconciled back to God. Father, how good it is to come into your house this morning and to glorify you. Father, I pray that you open the ears and the eyes of this dear flock this morning, soften their heart to receive your word. Father, ground them in the truth that they have heard from the very beginning, the only truth that saves, Jesus Christ and him crucified. And Father, you have given us the Holy Spirit so that we be adapt in maneuvering and running away from any false teaching that we hear. Father, there are many false teachers out there. Thus, let us be quick to run to them and to run instead to your gospel and to you only. Father, I pray that you help my lisping, stammering tongue this morning. Give me the words to speak. Let me speak boldly, humbly, truthfully, and let the words I speak this morning, Father, glorify you. We thank you and we love you. Amen. Our first of two points this morning is this, point number one. Christian, do not leave the truth of the gospel for the fallacy of antichrists. Christian, do not leave the truth of the gospel for the fallacy of antichrist. Verses 18 and 19. John writes, children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that antichrist is coming, so now many antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. Verse 18 opens with children, it is the last hour. And as you heard that many antichrist is coming, so now many antichrist have come. John instantly jumps into two topics here where there is a lot of confusion within evangelical circles. Those topics being the last hour and the Antichrist, or the many Antichrist. So in order to move through this text faithfully, it is critical that we possess a proper understanding of exactly what John means when he says those things. So we'll start with the last hour. And this term, it can be confusing, because John wrote in verse 18, children, it is the last hour, and he wrote it some 18, or excuse me, some 2,000 years ago. I mean, that is certainly quite the hour, the 2,000-year-old hour. 
However, all John is referring to when he says the last hour, it is the time between when Jesus Christ first came into the world and his second coming, or when Jesus Christ will come again. Which means we as Christians are currently living in the last hour, or during the time frame when literally at any moment Jesus Christ could return. Now the day or the hour in which Jesus Christ will return, no one knows. And because of that, Jesus said in Matthew 24, you must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Therefore, at any moment, at any time, and at any hour, Jesus Christ could return. And how does John know this? Or what evidence does he possess that it is really the last hour? Verse 18. As you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know it is the last hour. John knows it is the last hour because many Antichrists have come. Now, John is assuming here that his original audience would have had an understanding of what he means when he writes in verse 18, as you have heard that Antichrist is coming. John assumes that they would have understood the Antichrist here as the one who Daniel called the prince who is to come, Daniel 9, or the one who Paul referred to as the man of lawlessness in 2 Thessalonians 2, or the one who is the eschatological or the end times adversary of our very Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. However, the focus of verse 18 is not on the Antichrist, But as Daniel Aiken pointed out, it is on the many Antichrist who have arisen within this Christian community. Thus the question is, church, who exactly are these many Antichrists that John is talking about here? And quite simply, the answer is his opponents. They are the false teachers or the heretics in whom he wrote about in chapter 1. The people who denied what he wrote about Jesus Christ in his gospel. The people who denied that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. The people who denied that Jesus Christ, and it is only through his sacrificial work on the cross that man can receive the gift of eternal salvation. Thus John labels these people as antichrist because they are by definition anti or against Jesus Christ. And here is the heartbreaking elements of this church. For where did these many antichrists come from? Where did these false teachers or John's opponents originate? John writes in verse 19, they went out from us. Meaning that at one time they were part of this church community. That at one time they were fellowshipping with church members and in communion with church members. Looking the part and dressing the part and saying all the right Christian things. However, as you know, brother Christian, sister Christian, looks, they can be deceiving. And John says, even though they were part of this community for a season of their life, verse 19, they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. I read a story this week about a man who was going to a costume party dressed as the devil. And it was a nasty and rainy and stormy night. And while he was driving, his car went off the road and into a ditch. And he couldn't get his car started again. So he got out of the car and made his way across a cornfield and found a small country church. 
Now, there were people inside the church who were having an evening prayer meeting. And just as the man got to the back door of the church and opened it, dressed as the devil, mind you, there was a bolt of lightning and a clap of thunder. And all the people of the church looked around in amazement. But then they saw the devil standing at the back door, and they flew out the front door as quickly as they could, all except one little old lady who remained standing in the aisle. And with her cane in hand, she looked the devil straight in the eye and said, Mr. Devil, I don't know what you want here, but I've, been, but I've got only one thing to say to you. I've been a member of this church for 40 years, but I've really been on your team the whole time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. John's saying here that even though these heretics, these false teachers, were at one time regularly attending the fellowship, they had their names on the rolls and were saying and doing all the right things, in reality, they were never really part of the body of Christ because they never really were in Christ. They were never really united with Christ and they never really placed their trust in Jesus Christ, meaning they were never really saved. And how does John know this? Because if they truly had believed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and placed their trust in him as the Savior of the world, John says in verse 19, then they would have continued with us. They would have persevered in Christ. They would have fought the good fight. They would have waged the good warfare. And they would not have made a shipwreck of their faith. But instead, verse 19, they went out. That it might become plain that they all are not of us. And thus it is clear that they did not have the spirit of Christ dwelling in them, but instead, church, they had the spirit of the Antichrist. Now, I must warn you, church, because just as the spirit of the Antichrist was active and alive during the time of the Apostle John, it has not gone away, as there are still false teachers who are wiggling their way into church communities, promoting their false doctrine and their heresy, leaving a heap of chaos and frustration, confusion and pain behind them, and then publicly rejecting the Christian faith and abandoning the very churches in which they have harmed. For this is a troubling and painstaking pattern that we see far too often within evangelical America today. Don't believe me? One former pastor who renounced his Christian faith in 2014 wrote, I'm an atheist now for sure, but there's so much more to me than that. I'm a humanist in the sense that I don't believe anyone is coming to save us. We are the ones we're waiting for. Another former pastor who renounced his faith in 2017 wrote, I'm still going to plant my flag down on the belief that we are who we're waiting for. There is no God in the sky who is going to rescue us. We've got to pull up our big boy and big girl pants and be human beings. Therefore, in light of the many antichrists who are now in the world church, in light of the many false teachers who have wormed their way into our pulpits, in light of the many so-called famous pastors and leaders who have left the Christian faith because they think it is not scientific enough or rational enough or or now socially woke enough, 
In light of all that, brother Christian, sister Christian, let me encourage you this morning. Do not lose heart, for there is a God, and he will come again, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he warned us about these many antichrists and false teachers during his time on earth. As he said in Matthew 7, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered by th- from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Thus you have been warned, brother Christian, sister Christian that if you hear anyone in the church saying that Jesus Christ isn't truly God, but just a good man, realize they are not of us. If you hear anyone claiming to be a Christian, but teaching that Jesus Christ died not as our Savior, but as an example, realize they are not of us. If you hear anyone declaring, thus saith the Lord, that there are many ways to be saved, then you can take it to the bank. They are not of us. They are wolves in sheep's clothing, shepherds who feed themselves, waterless clouds swept along by the wind. They are false teachers who possess the spirit of the Antichrist. And we must reject these false teachers and not not follow them into condemnation. But instead, as the children of God, we must continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard and which has been proclaimed in all creation. We must press on, church, in the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ, no matter what any of these antichrist or false teachers try to say. And yet you might be sitting there this morning thinking, but Wes... How can I discern these wolves from sheep? How can I discern the good fruit from the bad fruit? How can I discern right from wrong, false from true, orthodoxy from heresy? I mean, I want to make sure my beliefs and my thoughts and my theology are in line with the proper readings of Scripture and teachings of Scripture and not be led astray by some heretic, but at times it is just so hard to discern. And it's scary because I don't want to go down the slippery slope of heresy and give Satan a foothold in my life and renounce my faith. Thus, where can I seek the help and guidance that I need on this? Which takes us to point number two, which is this. Fear not, Christian, for you have been anointed by Jesus Christ, and thus you now know the truth. Fear not, Christian. For you have been anointed by Jesus Christ, and thus you now know the truth. Verses 20 and 21. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. And here are John's words of encouragement to his Christian readers. That even though there are still many antichrists and many false teachers out there, and even though some within the church have gotten swept into their false teachings and have followed them into error, John says, you Christian, you most certainly have not. Because you Christian are not like those false teachers and not like those antichrists. Because you Christian, verse 20, have been anointed by the Holy One. You Christian, verse 20, have knowledge. You Christian, verse 21, know the truth. 
in essence, John's saying, you, Christian, you can take comfort because unlike those who denied that Jesus is the Christ and who denied the Father in the Son, you, verse 20, have been anointed, meaning you've received the Holy Spirit, baptized by the Holy Spirit, and have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. And because you've been anointed, verse 20, by the Holy One, by Jesus Christ, you have been anointed by the one whom the Scriptures declare is the Holy One of God, John John 6, and by the one whom the Scriptures declare would send the Holy Spirit, John 16. Thus John says that because of this anointing from the Holy One, verse 20, you all have knowledge. Now what exactly does that mean when John says that you all have knowledge, and why is this important? Well, remember the context here. John is writing to the church at a time when these false teachers, his opponents, were claiming that because of their special enlightenment, that they were sinless, that they knew God, and that they truly had fellowship with God. Thus, in light of these claims by these sanctimonious and haughty and egotistical false teachers, John encourages He emboldens and he spurs on his Christian readers with luck. No matter how clever or smart these false teachers claim to be, no matter how educated or wise these false teachers appear, no matter how daunting or intimidating these false teachers seem with all their claims and assertions, thoughts and ideas, doctrines and dogmas, you Christian, Don't be bamboozled by any of it, because unlike the false teachers, you've actually been anointed by the Holy One. You actually, verse 20, have knowledge. Thus John says in verse 21, I write to you not because you do not know the truth. John isn't writing to them to teach them something new, or to offer them a new insight, or to educate them on a new doctrine. Instead, John is writing to them, verse 21, because they already knew it. And they knew it because they, unlike the false teachers, actually have been anointed and actually have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. Thus the question is, church, do you consistently then ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in the truth? D.L. Moody, he shared this. He says, I am told by people who have been over the Alps that when they enter into a dangerous place, their guide will actually fasten himself to them and then go on before them. So too should the Christian then be linked to their unerring guide, the Holy Spirit, in order to be safely upheld. For if a man was going through the Mammoth Cave, the longest cave system known in the world, It would be certain death for him to stray from his God. For there are pitfalls in that cave and a great river, and there would be no chance for him to find his way out without a God. So also there is no chance for us to get through the dark wilderness of this world alone. Thus it is folly for a man or woman to think that they can get through this evil world without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So God sent the Spirit to guide us through this great journey. But if we seek to work independent of him, we will stumble into the deep darkness of eternity night. Brother Christian, Sister Christian, you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, the one who guides us in the ways of Jesus Christ. For the eyes of your hearts have been enlightened and you know the truth 
of the gospel, you know that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15. You know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, for he said, I and the Father are one, John 10, 30. And you know that whoever believes in the gospel and is baptized will be saved, Mark 16, 16. And because you know the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Christian, you can also spot a lie. Oh, via the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you can smell a rat from a mile away. Thus, it doesn't matter how smart these false teachers are, how many books these false teachers have written, and how many speaking engagement these false teachers have. If they teach anything counter to Jesus Christ being truly God and truly man, if they teach anything counter to Jesus Christ being our advocate and the only propitiation for our sins, if they teach anything counter to Jesus Christ being the way the truth and the life and the only means of salvation, then they teach a lie and you best not be believing it. Instead, Christian, cling to what you have been taught from the very beginning, what the Holy Spirit has given you all knowledge of and continues to bear witness to you today, that whoever confesses Jesus Christ is the Son of God, only those will eternally be saved. And Christian, you know this truth. You intimately know this truth. Thus, believe it, cling to it, and via the power of the Holy Spirit, forevermore abide in it. And as we close this morning, I'll begin with the non-Christian who is here first. Non-Christian, please understand that there are, in fact, still many antichrists out there today claiming to offer all that is needed to be saved. Thus, non-Christian, do not fall into the trap that many antichrists have set as they seek to diminish and manipulate and twist and contort the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ like a pretzel in the end offering you no truth at all. For this is... This is the only truth that saves. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Non-Christian, please listen carefully to me this morning. If you want to be saved, you must believe. You must place your trust in Jesus Christ, the only one who came into the world to save sinners from their sin. And how did he do this? By living the life that we could not live by keeping the law that we could not keep. You see, non-Christian Jesus Christ, he lived a life unlike ours, for his life was perfect and righteous and holy and without sin. And yet because of his great love for the children of God, Jesus Christ also willingly paid the price for our sin, meaning he bore the wrath that we as sinners deserve for our sins by dying on a cross in our place non-Christian, for while we were still weak at the right time, Jesus Christ, he died for the ungodly. However, being that Jesus Christ is God, and being that he lived a life without sin, 
sin and death, they had no power over him. They had no authority over him, and they had no claim over him. Thus, three days later, Jesus Christ, he rose from the grave, defeating sin and defeating death and offering eternal life for all who place their trust in him. Thus, non-Christian, let today be the day that you turn from your sin. Let today be the day that you repent of your sin and you trust in Jesus Christ and Christ alone as the only one who can forgive you of your sin, the only one who paid the price of your sin, the only one who can clothe you in his perfect life and reconcile you back to God forever. And today will be the day that your sins are forgiven, whereby through your faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Thus, let today be the day, non-Christian, that you place your trust in Christ. And to the Christian who is here today, John wrote in verse 19, For if they, the false teachers or the heretics who left the church, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Brother Christian, sister Christian, the Christian life, make no mistake, it is a life of persistence, a life of perseverance, a life of endurance. And to paraphrase Douglas O'Donnell, just as no one rejoices with the runner who starts the marathon but does not finish it, nor shall anyone rejoice with the person who claims to be a Christian only to renounce their faith a year later. For it is our goal as Christians to run this race well and to finish the race. And you might be sitting there this morning thinking, well, Pastor Wes, that is easier said than done. I mean, we are living at a time where there are antichrists everywhere, false teachers everywhere, false doctrines everywhere. Thus, how are we day in and day out to muddle our way through the consistent deceit and deception, falsehoods and frauds, treachery and trickery that the world is consistently throwing our way? When, to be honest, at times this Christian race, it just seems some days that it is too long and too complex and too hard to endure Thus, what can I do to run and to finish this race well? And the answer is, brother Christian, sister Christian, fix your mind on the glory that is to be revealed to you. Fix your mind on the eternal kingdom of God. Fix your mind on salvation. Church, properly fix your mind on the hope of Jesus Christ. And then let's see how boldly, how confidently, and how courageously you run this race. Because where we fix our mind in the here and now, it has eternal significance. In the book Bits and Pieces reads a story about Florence Chadwick. Chadwick was the first woman to swim the English Channel in both directions. But on July 4th, in 1951, she attempted to swim from Catalina Island to the California coast. The challenge was not so much the distance, but the bone-chilling waters of the Pacific. To complicate matters, a dense fog laid over the entire area, making it impossible for her to see land. After about 15 hours in the water and within a half mile of her goal, Chadwick gave up. Later, she told a reporter, look, I'm not excusing myself, but if I could have seen land, I might have made it. Not long afterwards, she attempted the feat again. Once more, a misty veil obscured the coastline and she couldn't see the shore. But this time, she made it. 
because she kept reminding herself that the land was there. And with that confidence, that assurance, she bravely swam on and achieved her goal. In fact, she broke the men's record by two hours. You want to run and finish this race well, Christian? You want to endure for Christ in the midst of false teachings and deceptions and the lies of the Antichrist? Then every day, brother Christian, sister Christian, make it your goal to fix your mind on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the gospel did not come to you in word only, but in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Thus, when the Antichrist come knocking on your door saying that Jesus Christ is not really God, that Jesus Christ can't be your mediator and that Jesus Christ cannot really save, fix your mind on the truth that you have heard from the very beginning, the gospel of Jesus Christ, knowing that the God of peace will soon crush Satan and every other antichrist under his feet. Thus it is my prayer that we as a church body flee from false teaching. Lord, how easy it is to get caught up in the false teachings of the antichrist as they offer exactly what man's sinful heart desires. As your word says, those with itching ears will accumulate for themselves teachers who suit their own passions. And these people will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Lord, keep us from wandering off. Lord, instead empower us to be a people who persist, who persevere, and who endure in your truth. Help us, Father, to abide in sound doctrine and to always be sober-minded, adapt at maneuvering away from false teaching, all in order to finish the race well. Lord, hold our minds captive to the truth that we have heard from the very beginning, that only those who believe in the name of the Son of God will be saved. And oh, that we abide in this truth forever, church, until we receive our eternal crown and receive the eternal life that is only offered to the world by grace through faith in the Son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we look out at the world and we see people being deceived by this, that, and the other. Progressive Christianity, prosperity gospel, new age enlightenment. Father, let us not fall for any of it. Let us ground ourselves in the truth that we have had from the beginning, the truth that has saved us. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Lord, you have given us the Holy Spirit so that we can know this truth, cling to this truth, and abide in this truth. Thus, if anyone claims anything other than that truth as a means of salvation, let us be a church body that flees. Empower this congregation, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.